0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Hello, cat lovers. Welcome to Catitude. I'm your show host, Michelle Fern. You know how some treats are like cat crack? Well, I have one I want to tell you about. But more so, I want to tell you how this unbelievably amazing trainer, she's a certified feline training and behavior specialist. And she does wonderful things with cats. And you'd think training cats would be impossible, right? Well, she has some tips for us. So we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit petliferadio.com slash advertise today.
0: Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
1: Welcome back everyone. I'd like to welcome Molly Devos. She is a certified feline training and behavior specialist, and she loves one treat in particular for training her cats. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Welcome, Molly. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me on your show today. I'm thrilled to have you. The more I could learn about my cats and how to possibly train them even a little bit, the better, because it seems so hard to train cats. But before we get into that, can you share your background with us?
0: Yeah, I'm a, as you said, I'm a certified feline training and behavior specialist, and I'm also a certified cat behavior coach and a fear-free certified professional and all kinds of things like that, all revolving around cats. And I volunteered at a shelter with cats for well over a decade and saw so many of them euthanized. For a variety of reasons, but primarily because when cats get out of their comfort zone, they react often with defensive aggression and those cats become hard to house and hard to get adopted. So I decided to try to make a difference and help people with behavior issues in their home to try to
1: cut down on the rehoming of cats. Is that how you got started in becoming a certified feline behavior specialist? Well, you know, I thought I, I, I went and got my certification thinking that
0: it was going to help me better evaluate cats behavior in a shelter setting. And it didn't really do that at all. It certainly did open my eyes. I thought I knew everything about cats, by the way, before I, I went back to school for this. And I thought, oh, I'll be able to test out of that program. Well, I was amazed at how much I learned. And it opened my eyes to exactly what the cats are sensing when they're in a shelter environment. But more importantly, that shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death in cats in the United States. And and that just floored me. And I thought, you know, it's great helping cats in shelters. And I still do a lot of that work. But how do we keep these cats from coming into the shelter in the first place? So somewhere about three quarters of the way into the program, I decided I would focus on shelter diversion. And I set up a nonprofit because there was just no way in my heart that I could tell somebody I can't help them with their problem with their cat because they didn't have money to pay for it. So I started it as a nonprofit because, you know, like 35% or more of cats that are surrendered to shelters are for behavior reasons, either they're urinating outside the litter box, or they're being aggressive to the other cats or to the people, or they're destroying things and all kinds of reasons. And, and I thought, you know, I, I need to make some resources so that people can access them and take care of these problems in the home before they ever decide to load up the cat and take it to the shelter
1: before you get into how you work on training the cats i'm curious also if there's some training of people because you know i came from a dog background And my cats all adopted me. And once I became a cat person, I realized that cats, when they're acting out, which I think is misunderstood, they're behaving how they're supposed to behave for the most part. You know, they're not like little dogs, which we talk about so much on catitude. They're cats, they're different. If you pet them consistently in one spot, when they've had enough, they're going to put their claw out and say, kind of like, leave me alone, you know, where. Dogs give a different type of reaction. They don't have claws. So you're not going to really get hurt by that. So do you find that people just don't quite get how cats behave? And that's part of it? You know, I remember also when I reached that part in the program
0: where I said, Hey, wait, I thought I was going to get to work with cats. And I realized this was really more about working with people. So you're right. (laughs) Cats, no matter what they're doing, unless they have a medical condition, They're trying to exhibit natural behaviors. And what we try to do is to make sure that the environment that's provided for them gives them an opportunity to express their natural behaviors in ways that are acceptable to both the cat and the owner, right? And that's really the key. And they are so different than dogs. You know, I think my friend Jackson Galaxy always says people see cats through dog-colored glasses. And that's so true. You know, I think we look at cats and we say, oh, we expect them to behave like dogs and respond like dogs and communicate like dogs, except for meowing. And it's just not true. They're such a totally different species.
1: So different. And I've spoken with Jackson a couple of times. He's amazing. And uh, I was talking to him, I said, no matter what I do, how I do it, there's one cat that I have, and she never quite gets the letterbox. And I'm, I said, maybe one day you will come over and train me or train her or both of us. (laughs) But, (laughs) but There's so many truths to what you're saying, exactly. And it's almost like people, you know, people have different behaviors. We're not as extreme, you know, as cats and dogs. It's almost like fitting, you know, a round peg into a square hole. It's just not the same. It doesn't work. And, you know, this is just my opinion, but I think that if you're going to have cats in your house... Or two-legged little munchkins or dogs, you kind of adjust your house a little before them. Don't get a white leather sofa. Don't (laughs) don't have a sofa that costs, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars, unless you could care less if it has a scratch on it. You know, watch the color of your carpeting. I just think that there's even though people are like well I'm not going to adjust my life this isn't just adjusting your life you think with what you have in your environment so right. i know that's a little bit out of our discussion here but also with cats you have to have certain things you have to have the scratchers you have to have the climbers the you know the cat trees and the litter boxes and everything else but let's get more back on here. What about training? Because I've heard people say cats are just so much more difficult to train than dogs. Although I've heard that cats are smarter than dogs. Yep. Yes. I think both of those statements are true. Now, I wouldn't say they're more
0: difficult. They just train differently than dogs. So a dog, you know, dogs have evolved with a social hierarchy. And when you bring a dog into your family, the dog sees the people as pack masters. And a dog's, you know, one of its main purposes in life is to make sure that that social hierarchy within the family, everybody kind of stays in their place and everybody knows where they are and everybody's all getting along as long as everybody understands that. And their job is to please the pack masters. So dogs will do things for you because it makes you happy. And dogs will stop doing things that make you unhappy because they really care about how you feel. But a cat, it just doesn't think that way. You know, I hate to say it, but it really probably doesn't care how you feel.
1: That's exactly what I was (laughs) thinking. Cats are like, who gives a Right. I don't care. care. As long as I sleep, have food, whatever. This is my world. You're just in it.
0: Exactly. And it's all about, you know, they care about how you feel as long as it's impacting them. But if it doesn't impact them, they're like, oh, I could Give a rat's if you're upset about that. I just I did it because it's what I do. I'm a cat. Get over it. And so you've got to motivate and you've got to incentivize a species to do something different, right? If you want them to train them. So with cats, they're really, really highly motivated by food. Now Some cats are motivated by affection too, but you give your cat affection all the time. So when you're going to train the cat to do something, You want to give it something that's really different and really awesome. So I used to go to Global Pet Expo and I would, you know, I'd go around all the vendor booths and ask for people that make cat treats to give me samples so I can take it back to the shelter and try it on cats and see if I can find stuff that cats like. And in the shelter setting, what we're training a cat to do is to trust us and to be brave enough to get out of its comfort zone to, you know, try something that's scary, like in some cats, that's even just looking at us or moving forward towards us or allowing us to touch them can be some real basic things. In a home setting, you know, I taught my cat, he knows how to high five and walk on his hind legs and spin, you know, all kinds of stuff. He'll he'll do just about anything. So I used to go around the shelter with a a whole pocket full of different kinds of treats because the first thing we'd have to do is figure out what knocks this cat's socks off, and we'd have to give them baby food and tuna and a variety of cat treats until we found one it liked. Well, then I went to Global Pet Expo and stumbled across VitaCraft. They make a line of cat treats. At the time, they had just come out with Lick and Lap, and they gave me a handful of those. I went back, and I'm telling you what, I have never seen cats go bonkers like they did over this product. So it's making my life in the shelter a whole lot easier for two reasons. One, I don't have to carry as much crap around with me. And two, the cats go really nuts over it. And so I get a better response, makes the cats actually more brave to step out of their comfort zone. And then of course at home, my cat, I taught him how to jump through a a hula hoop. Well, then I decided I didn't wanna have to go get the hula hoop every time I wanted him to do the trick. So I held out my arm. And taught him to jump
1: over my arm. And so he will do all these things. I'm envious. we got to take a short break, Molly. We're going to be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food.
0: Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Molly DeVos and the wonders she has done with cats in shelters. And I'm so envious about all the tricks that you're talking about. And, you know, Vita Cat sent me a couple samples, too. And I had tried some other licking type of treats. This one, they love even more so. And... Right? Is it a trick if I open the fridge and they come and sit down in front of it? Is that a trick? (laughs) Because they know it's in the fridge. So does that count? I don't know. I don't think so. But that's their trick. What is it about the lickable treat? What is it about it that makes it so alluring for your cat?
0: You know, that's a good question. I know that because I always look at the ingredients, they have very high quality ingredients, they're actually manufactured in Germany, interestingly enough. I think eventually they're looking at setting up some manufacturing in the United States, but currently it's made in a, in a facility in Germany. And, you know, maybe it's German cars are engineered so much better. Maybe that's true about German cat trees. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure what their secret ingredient is, but I can tell you it's my secret ingredient for training cats. That's for sure. It's just amazing, the difference, because I used a lot of those push up you know lickable type treats before also, and so once I got back from the trade show and discovered this, I contacted them right away and said, "Hey, that stuff's amazing. How do I get some more of that? you want to you know you want to help sponsor my nonprofit and help out some shelter cats and send me some more lick and lap?" And, and they were graciously enough to do that and and sent me more and I use it to this day. I mean, I do shelter behavior modification programs where I'll train staff and volunteers how to work with these cats with different kinds of behavior modification techniques. And the key to everything we do is this lick and lap treat. Now, they also make some other treats. I keep talking about that. They do make different ones. That just happens to be the one that I have found to be the most amazing. With the
1: cats. I know they make a jelly also. My cats love that, except for one was afraid of it. She only ate it on the floor. And- <laughs> so, for everybody listening and this isn't a commercial, but just so you're when you're listening, so you can get an idea what it is. These treats come in, they're in like a little plastic sleeve and you put them in the refrigerator and you can just, makes them a little bit more solidified. And then you just cut them open. You could just give your cat a couple of licks at a time.
0: Yes. You know, that's a good point because in a shelter, the other thing about training a cat is once it gets full, you're done. And so you've got to be able to give them just teeny tiny little bits of whatever you're using. And some of the hard treats, you know, we would break them in half, but still in a short period of time, the cat would be full and then stop participating. So the way that this dispenses is ideal because we can just give them a little tiny dab at a time and keep them motivated and keep them interested in what we're rewarding. Now, that's another thing about trading cats. It's all positive reinforcement because they don't care about how you feel. They're totally not going to understand if you say, no, 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 that wasn't what I wanted you to do. You know, you can't really scold them at all. You simply reward them when they do what you want them to do. And that can be as simple as sitting down or coming to you, following your finger around. That's one of the first things I train them so that I can then guide them with my finger up on things, down from things, through the hula hoop, over my arm, into a circle, that kind of stuff. So there's different techniques when training them. We like to call it marker training because you're going to say, good girl or good boy when they have completed the behavior you want to see and then you reward them with the lick and lap. It's amazing. It's it's just amazing. I go to people's houses for cat consults and a lot of times just for fun, I'll go ahead and train their cat to do something while we're just sitting there chit-chatting about the behavior. And by the time they finish complaining about what it is that the cat's doing, they don't like, I've got the cat trained to come sit, high five, all kinds of different things. (laughs) It's amazing. And the only way you can really do that is if you have something that a cat says, oh my gosh, that stuff is liquid gold. I would walk across hot coals to get some of that Vitacraft licking them. (laughs) And, And that's the way you train them.
1: My crew loves it. When I open the refrigerator door, I look down, there's three cats every time. Once <laughs> they almost broke my neck because I wasn't paying attention. And there were three cats all of a sudden underfoot, because obviously I keep it in the refrigerator. Do you have any stories you can share one of your most, you know, challenging transitions for a cat that was in the shelter that was, I don't know, maybe super skittish or super frightened and you were able to you know, make the cat overcome his fears.
0: Oh my goodness. I I have thousands. We work with them every single day. And, you know, a cat does not like to be trapped and a cat likes to have choices. So when it is no longer in its home and put into a kennel, it's been stripped of all choices. It's in a totally unfamiliar territory. And they do pick up on the emotions and feelings of the other animals around them. That's been scientifically proven. And so fear is all around. Where am I? Who are these people? I can hear dogs barking. I, there's all these other cats. I, you know, They're so confused and they're so scared. And a lot of them just think the only way they're going to be able to survive is to show how big and mean they are. And, you know, they'll be charging at us and hissing and ears down and growling and you know, otherwise not an aggressive cat, you know, cat aggression is very different from dog aggression. They don't typically target people or things like that. You know, they're just trying to defend themselves and survive. And so when we start with cats like that, we have to prove to them that we're not mean and scary, and we're not going to do all the things they're afraid we might do. And so one of the first things we do is we have these back scratchers, you know, those kind of telescoping back scratchers. And we put a little bit of lick and lap on the back of that and, uh, and we extend the scratcher very low towards the cat and allow them to smell it. And a lot of times, you know, this cat otherwise is lunging at us and growling and hissing. And once we finally put that back scratcher in there with the licking lap on the back, then all of a sudden, their head comes forward, their ears go up, and they're like, sniff, 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 sniff. And are like, wow, what is that stuff? And if we can get them to try it, and sometimes we have to dab it on their nose to get them to try it, once they start on it, they're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it totally can melt a cat that's at a highest stress level into a cat that's interested and comfortable enough to eat in front of you and allowing us to to touch it and then begin to build a relationship so that we can reassure this cat that you know it's gonna be okay and we're not there to hurt it. So yeah, it's amazing the transformations. And you know, Vitacraft reached out to me and said, Hey, you're using up all this lick and lap in shelters. What are you doing with it anyway? And so I, I, you know, I explained to them, I said, well, this is what I'm doing. And I sent them some pictures of of before and after and kind of explained the program and things. And, And they said, well, who do you do that for? I said, well, you know, I go into shelters. So it's whatever shelter I'm working with at the time. And they said, you know, we would really like to make a difference for shelter cats. And they said, can you help us? And so we have teamed up to actually create a a behavior modification module that will be available online to all shelters across the United States so that they too can be doing this with their cats in the shelters and getting them more adoptable faster.
1: You know, Molly, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, you know how people say things start in one spot and you don't realize how far, what, how, you know, the end result is not to be so by you going to global, which I've gone to for many years, finding this writer craft treat, doing what you're doing, and just this effect, you probably, I don't know, did you ever do the math on how many cats you're probably saving? From oh, my colonized? gosh, it's a
0: lot. It's a lot. It, it's a lot. The shelter that I'm working with currently In Albuquerque, we've had over 100 cats go through the program in this last year, and every single one of them saw remarkable improvement and has gone on to be adopted. So those cats would probably have otherwise been euthanized without a behavior modification program in place. You know, it's amazing. I mean, and that's just one shelter. So it it really does save a lot of lives.
1: Ah, I have goosebumps. What advice can you give for new cat pet parents that maybe they're, it's their first time they have a cat or they had a cat growing up, but they were never really responsible for the cat themselves to try to help them, you know, work with their cat. So the cat stops exhibiting some of these behaviors that are aggressive or not welcome to the family and so forth. What advice would you give?
0: Well, first of all, when you do get a new cat, give it time to settle in. I see so many cats returned to the shelter, you know, after a week or two in someone's new home. And they'll say, well, it just wasn't a good fit. Well, it, you know, fought with my other cat. Oh, we did the introduction slowly. Well, two weeks is not slow enough. In fact, we've made a sheet called the 333 sheet, which basically says that the cat's going to take three days just to come out of shell shock. And it's going to take three weeks to kind of understand the routine in your house and to feel trusting of the routine and the environment. And it can take three months for them to fully settle in and show their true personality. So first of all, Give them a break, you know, start them off in one room, don't don't overwhelm them with the whole house and give them space and time. Do a lot of bonding. Bonding is extremely important. You don't know what the cat's previous history is or what kind of trauma it went through either in a home or in the shelter setting or rescue. So bond with it. Teach it that you are trustworthy and predictable and consistent in your behaviors. And there's no better way to do that, of course, than with treats. You know, a lot of times we think bonding is when we sit around and pet them, you know, or brush them. And to cats, that may not be what they really enjoy most. So get some lick and lap and bond with your cat. That'd be one of the first things I'd do multiple times a day. And then make sure that you're providing all of the things that A cat needs. I have a a website, catbehaviorsolutions.org, where I list all kinds of resources. Cats need big open litter boxes, and you need to make sure that you have one more litter box than you have numbers of cats. And if you've got five cats and you live in a one bedroom apartment and the thought of having six litter boxes in there creeps you out, then you probably shouldn't get any more cats. (laughs) Exactly. you know they they need opportunities you know the other thing that happens between cats we don't really see is they bully each other kind of quietly like one cat will lay across the floor just relaxed if we look at the situation we say oh he's just laying on the floor but in reality he's blocking the path to the resources the food the water the litter box the whatever did yours do that
1: I've seen that. Well, I have three that are indoors, two outdoors because they were community cats. Mm -hmm. Although I'm going to try the Vitacat on the most skittish one. We've been feeding and caring for them, and they're both fixed. They both have, you know, they both get as much as they can, but they're outside because Sammy's just way too skittish. But I'm going to try the Vitacat on a back scratcher because I have one. But see, Molly was the smallest cat when she was introduced to the household. She was just a tiny kitten, Sammy's baby. And so when I introduced her to the household, it took a long time for her sister from another litter for them to, you know, get along. Okay. I mean, you're right. It doesn't take two weeks, three weeks. It took months. I thought they would never get along. And now that Molly can stand up to her. I find that they play these games like she'll block, you know, the path to the water. Yeah. She'll block the path, you know. She won't let her eat where she normally eats, so her sister, who is Charlotte, has another place that she goes to. She changes her minds Sometimes she'll eat in one spot, sometimes she'll eat in another spot. It's funny how they have their little quirks, but this is their personality. But it's really interesting hearing you talk about all the different types of idiosyncrasies that we think they're idiosyncrasies, but this is how they behave. This is how cats behave.
0: I was on a behavior consult once where they were having some litter box issue problems. Their female cat was urinating in their closet. And I get there and they have two very big litter boxes and they had told me they were uncovered but what they didn't tell me was they had them in a cupboard like in a lower cabinet through a doorway kind of a hallway on the way to the garage so they would put a cat door in the doorway and then cat doors in the cupboards So the cats could get in there and they were right next to one another and we're sitting there chatting and their large male cat is laying in the middle of the floor and the female comes through and stops when she sees him and her tail starts twitching and her head's low, kind of horizontal with her body and she's looking for a way to get around him. I can see she's looking for a way to get around him. And so she goes and just cuts a really wide berth around him, like four or five feet, watching him the entire time, keeping an eye on him to go past him. And it was very clear that he was making it very uncomfortable for her to access the litter boxes. So once we got litter boxes in different parts of the house, which as you can imagine, the family was not crazy about doing, but Said, well, take your pick. You want her to pee in your closet or the litter box? <laughs> you, <know? laughs>
1: you have cats, this is what you have to do.
0: Right, right. And so you've got to, you know, you've got to make an environment that's natural to them. In the wild, you know, cats are both predator and prey. So they're hypervigilant all the time. They're always wondering what's going to get me next. And in the wild, they don't go into confined spaces or holes or caves to go to the bathroom because predators could get them they might get ambushed when they come out so they go kind of out in the open where they can see things coming and in a multi cat household a covered litter box is one of the worst things you can do for your cats you know they they want to feel safe and secure going and then scratching you know you mentioned scratching posts that's a must you know cats do not have an option but to scratch it not only stretches their back and gets rid of the dead nail sheaths on their nails, but it's also a territorial gesture. They have scent glands in between their toes, and so they're leaving scent marks behind. And we make a mistake of getting cat trees, you know, that are like 18 inches tall. And if a cat can't get a full stretch when it's scratching, then that's not working for it. And it's probably going to use the back of your sofa because that's much higher. So you got to get a super, super tall scratching post if you really want your cats to be attracted to it. And those are the main two things. And then, of course, introducing, you know, multi-cat households have so many dynamics it's not like a dog family where you have an alpha dog and then every other dog knows its place on the ladder and they all stay in place. In a cat's world, it's very fluid and you know there can be some dominance gestures and bullying gestures that change back and forth, even sometimes through the course of a day. So you have to make it easy for them to cohabitate and feel like there's enough favorites of everything, favorite spot to sleep, favorite scratching post, favorite litter box, that kind of thing, for everybody to go around all the time. So if they feel like there's any lacking of any resources, then they're going to develop behavior issues. That's one of the main reasons.
1: This has been such great information. Where can people find out more about, I know you mentioned briefly, but let's mention again about your behavior techniques and where can they find VitaCraft treats?
0: So VitaCraft treats you can find in most of the major retailers, Petco, PetSmart, Walmart, Amazon, and if you want to learn more about them and see all the products they have to offer. Uh, you can go to their website. It's, let me spell it for you because it's VitaCraft with a K. So it's V-I-T-A-K-R-A-F-T dot U-S, and then just do forward slash cats, and it will take you right to their cat page. And then my site, you can go to catbehaviorsolutions.org. And if you can't find something that you're looking for, if you can't find the answers easily there, you can always email me. It just, it's simple, molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at org, and I'm happy to help answer your questions or point you in the right direction to things.
1: Well, Molly, thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing your wealth of knowledge. It's been so informative and I'm sure there's a lot of cat people out there that are going to find this information so helpful for their cat household or friend's cat household. So thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for having me on Catitude. And I certainly hope everybody finds something useful out of those resources. And if you don't see an answer to your question, absolutely email me because that means I just need to get that information out there too.
1: Okay, well, thanks so much. I hope you all enjoyed that. What great tips to, you know, engage one of your more skittish cats or if you do rescue to try to get a little closer to some of the more difficult cats for that you're trying to capture and get fixed. So great advice. I want to thank Molly for coming on Catitude and sharing her wealth of information. I'd like to thank my cat crew, Charlotte, Dennis, Molly, Jethro, and Sammy for teaching me about cats thanks of course to everyone listening to Catitude I appreciate it so much and a huge thank you to my producer Mark Winter for making me and my guests sound amazing now remember lose the attitude have catitude let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com